0: Our responsibility as leaders in the church is to do exactly the same. To train, equip, cool, now go, run. I I really felt that, like, that's the way the kingdom works. It's releasing, it's empowering, and now, okay, run, go. Uh, I was reminded of a story um, of my own life. I was in uh, Sunningdale, and I was, I can't remember what team I was on, but somebody lifted their hand got saved during the service. I prayed the sinner's prayer with him. Um, I, I invited him to a home group. He came to my home group. I was, and I used to do a Bible study with him every week in, my, in his home. And his heart caught on fire for Jesus. And he said to me, um, I want to go back to my country, Zimbabwe, and start a church. And he'd been saved for like two weeks. And, um, you know, like you, you, I'm like the mature Christian. He's just been saved for two weeks. So you're sort of like loving the guy's enthusiasm, you know. Um, But like completely, I mean, like whatever, like whatever the Lord wants to do. But but here's the thing. He did go back to Zimbabwe and he did start a church. And now it's a multi-site congregation. (laughs) I mean, I... And my point is this when Jesus he trained twelve disciples, taught them everything they needed to know, and he said, cool, cool guys i'm going back to the Father now you, got, you carry on with with the father's business, and the Lord is doing that with us. He is always doing with that, that with us children become teenagers, become mothers and fathers who have children, and that's biological, but that's more more importantly that's, that's, a, that's the way the kingdom works, even if you never have children. God's plan for you is to have a massive inheritance in the saints. Paul, I don't know if Paul had any biological children. Jesus didn't, but their descendants spiritually are probably in the, in the thousands. And it feels like there's that happening in us as a as a church right now. God is wanting to Ephesians four twelve. That's where four twelve that you know equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We believe in that. The Bible says it, we believe it, and we want to do that. And so this morning, I felt the Lord, um, I was just having my quiet time during the week, I was actually going to share on something completely different, and I read that verse when Jesus said, and I can just imagine his heart breaking, he was looking around and he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, pray for the workers. And that line just, oh! You know when you read, you've read a scripture a thousand times, and you read it, and you're just like, oh, Lord, raise up the workers. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus, when he looks at the world, when he looks at Cape Town, he says, man, look at this harvest. He's like looking over this field, and it's like ripe for the picking. And, he, and his prayer is, Lord, raise up the workers. Raise up the workers. We, yes, we pray for people to be saved, but I don't think God's so worried about that. He's He's praying for the workers. He's praying for us. That our hearts would burn for Jesus and say, God, I'm yours. Use me. Because if it's just a select few professionals, guess what? Cape Town's never going to be reached for Jesus. And so there's this, 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 when I was in worship, I felt like the Lord stirring our hearts to say, I want to give you a new heart. Because that's where he starts, with the heart. I want to give you a new heart. And then I want to use you. I want to use you in my kingdom. And it must never be a thing of the leaders do this or the leaders do that. The leader's job is to raise up the saints to go past me. There have pe- there have been people that I've discipled that have already gone past me, and there will be many more, and they will come from this congregation. And when I say past me, that's a relative thing. If you're doing what God has called you to do, then you've fulfilled God's purposes in your life. You back, bro? Wow, that's cool. I'll catch you up after the service. I didn't see. So in Matthew chapter 28, this is a very familiar phrase, but I wanted to just pause on this this morning because this is about you. Um, he spoke it to the apostles, but we are their disciples many generations later on, right? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's good news, by the way. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here's the other good news. Even though he's with the Father, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You can just leave that up there because when this is talking about two things, firstly, it's talking about what God has called us to. What has he called us to do? He's called us to make disciples of all nations. Then he goes on to explain how. What what does it actually mean to make a disciple out of someone? To make a disciple out of someone is to teach them to obey everything Jesus says. A disciple is a Bible word for a learner, a follower, a student. I am a student and so are you for the rest of our lives. We are students and we are followers. We are those that listen for the voice of Jesus. We read his word. We hear his voice in the scriptures. He speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. And we obey the words of Jesus. Whether it be big things or small things. That is what a disciple is. And so Jesus is making a disciple out of me. And then he he uses me to make a disciple to disciple others. And so one of the things that I've often had people ask me, and that's what I'm going to answer this morning, is, okay, that's cool. I get that I'm called to be a discipler, to, to make disciples. That sounds great. But, like, what do I do? Do I, like, get a bunch of people in a room and open my Bible and teach them? Like, what, how do I actually, how do, you, how do I do that? If I'm, not a, I'm not a community leader. I, I'm not a deacon. I'm not an elder. So how do I make disciples? What, what does that actually look like? Well, I'm so glad you asked. And if you didn't ask, a friend asked, and I'm answering your friend and you. But I think this is an incredibly important question, because it's the most important instruction Jesus gave us. It's our mission statement. So it's important to know, okay, cool, give me some handles. How do I make disciples of all nations? And so I want to just read a, a passage in the book of Acts of the early church, Acts chapter 11. Verse 19 gives us a very cool little picture. I'm going to read this uh, verse, and then I've also called in um, an expert on this topic from another congregation who's going to be sharing a little bit with us just now, Um, Patience. I'll explain. She's, She's not an expert. She's just an amazing saint. Uh, she used to be an AM congregation, and then the Lord felt, uh, uh, led her to go and support an PM congregation. And she's just one of those saints, like you, like me, that is being used by the Lord to disciple people, to make an impact. And she's become such an incredible blessing to PM congregations. So I'm going to get her up just now, and I'm going to ask her a few questions. She was in our home the other day. And just while she was sharing, I felt like, yes, Lord, this is amazing. And I asked her to share some of those things with us as a congregation. So, if you don't remember her, I'll reintroduce you when she comes up. But in Acts chapter 11, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So there was a persecution that broke out in Jerusalem and they were scattered. Some of the saints went to Antioch and when they got, it doesn't actually mention their names, but the saints got scattered everywhere. And wherever they went, they just kept being Christians, essentially. (laughs) And many people were saved in Antioch and the news got back to Jerusalem so they decided they probably should send an apostle to go and find out how the work was going. And he basically said, Guys, you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and I'm sure he shared a few other things as well. But my point here is that sometimes in the church, like people talk about discipleship programs. What's your discipleship program? What's your discipleship model? We don't really have one. But here's the thing How did Jesus make disciples? And this is kind of what we see in Jesus' life, but also in the early church. Jesus invited people to come and follow him. Come and walk a journey with me. And along the way, he shared some things with them, taught them. He answered lots of questions, questions that came up as they were doing life, right? They saw the temple, and they asked him about the temple. Lord, when's it going to, you know, you you talk about a prophecy about it being destroyed. When's that going to happen? What's going to happen after that, Lord? And then you would he talked with them, he invited them into his life, and he walked a journey with them, and he taught them, he answered questions, he loved them, he encouraged them, he warned them, he prophesied over them. So that's what we do. That's our discipleship program. Make sense? Clear as mud. So yes, we do teach, yes, we do run courses. Yes, we do New Believers course. We do, tr- we do teach as well as we can. But our discipleship program is to do what Jesus did, to invite people into our lives. Model something of the kingdom. Do what I do. Answer their questions. Help them when they're wrestling with their faith. Warn them, encourage them, prophesy over them. And then you say, okay, cool, now go and do it with somebody else. Does that make sense? Clear as mud, still. And so what we see from this verse is that they overflowed. The kingdom of God is not so much about a program. It's about God making me new by the Holy Spirit, being born again, filling my heart, filling my life with his Holy Spirit, changing my passions, setting my heart on fire with love for Jesus. And that fire spreading from me into everyone around me. It's got to be about a fire, not a program. It's a fire that God puts in my life. Fires are infectious. They spread. It's easy to say to people, hey, you're Christians. You, know, you need to be sharing the gospel with other people and getting other people saved. Because that's what Christians do. You're not doing it. Do it more. It's like, okay, we can do that. But, but is there a fire in me? that is spreading and setting other people on fire. When Jesus is my love, when I'm immersed in him, when I'm filled with his Holy Spirit, he's what I talk about. You don't have to tell somebody that's newly in love. You know, you hardly ever mention your boyfriend. It's usually the opposite. It's like, okay, cool, I I appreciate the fact that, that you're very much in love. Could you please kiss less in public? Let's talk about other things also. I mean, I love the fact that you love your boyfriend, but, you know, like, there's there's a limit to everything, you know. (laughs) That's the same with Jesus. When we fall, and our hearts are filled with Jesus, he's what we talk about. He's what we love. We share him. And so if there's finger wagging, like, hey, you should be sharing the gospel, well, I want to say, okay, wait. Is Jesus still the thing that's burning in my heart? Why are you telling me I should be talking more about Jesus? Why am I not talking about Jesus? There's something else caught my heart that I'm talking about. We talk about the things that we love. The things we love most, we talk about the most, right? You don't ever have to tell me to talk more about surfing. You don't. I have to constantly moderate how much I talk about surfing. It's like, okay, wait, this guy doesn't, he doesn't even like the ocean. It's, what else can I talk about, Right? Sometimes, sometimes people remind me of that. Like, Luke, I appreciate your passion, but I don't, it's not really, you know, just moderation. And so Jesus often said, you'll either love the world or you'll love me. If you love the world, that's what you'll be talking about. People are going to be saying, hey, you should really share the gospel more. Why? Because I love the world, actually. But when I'm not talking about Jesus, I've got to say, okay, is Jesus still the thing I love most in the world? And then I come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, actually, you're not. Sorry. Please fill my heart with love for you again. Immerse me in your presence that when I'm with other people, they catch the fire that's in me. These people got scattered to Antioch out of fear for their lives. The temptation would be to talk about how dangerous life is right now. Right? I mean, that would be a natural thing to talk about. Like, hey, you know, it's really scary to be a Christian nowadays. But actually, that wasn't what they were talking about. They were talking about Jesus, just like they always had. And sharing it with whoever they could. And the fire spread to Antioch. And that's how that church was planted. There's a distinctive Jesus flavor that we carry when we are in love with Jesus. We're talking this week, bunch of guys, about like, it's quite intimidating to be in the world right now and talk about Jesus. (laughs) But yet, there's a fire in us. That, that cannot be contained. And so even though it's, it's not always advisable to talk about Jesus, it's not always that safe for people to know you're a Christian. We do anyway. And we ask the Lord for courage to do that. And then when you talk about discipling people within the church, we can look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2. This is what I was talking about. This is God's discipleship plan. This is Paul talking to Timothy. You then, my son, interesting that he calls him my son, spiritual son in the Lord, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, now you entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. There are three generations of spiritual descendants here. Paul, whose son, Timothy, now he's saying to Timothy, cool, now what I've done with you Now, you go and do that with some other guys. Can you see what's happening? This is the kingdom discipleship program. But it's relational. Paul, my son. I haven't yet called anyone my son recently in the church. But there is that principle of we pass on what we've learned from others. And so there's this progression in the kingdom. When you first come to Christ, You're a baby Christian, and all you pretty much do is receive. That's what babies do. They just open their mouth, and you feed them. Then you change their nappy, put them down. Lots of crying. It's, you know, it's feed, sleep, change nappies, repeat. That's, and it's the same in the kingdom. When you're newly saved, you just come and receive. We pray for you, we minister to you, we teach you, we disciple you, we correct you, we kick you in your bum, we <laughs> spiritually. But as you grow up, there's a transition that there's a, 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 that the focus changes away from me and what I need to how can I give, how can I serve. And, and that happens biologically when you have children, suddenly no one cares about what you want or like or need or how much sleep is ideal for you. It becomes about others. It's exactly the same in the kingdom. And so we need to be careful of the church culture, which is like, you know, this whole worship experience that's been um, designed to bless you maximally. People talk about a worship experience. For God? No, for you. It's like, well, there's something wrong with, with that. Picture worship is not about me and my worship experience. It's about how is God experiencing my worship? He's the one we're worshiping, right? But so so we move away from this thing of what am I getting out of this? How can we improve improve this experience for me? To God, who do you want me to bless? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to disciple, nurture, love, encourage, push into the things that God's called them to You'll notice in our church we risk a lot with people, you know, people in different ministries, and you're thinking, sure, should they really be doing that? They don't really seem like they wow, we're pushing people because we want them to grow into what God's called them to. So we risk with people, obviously, as the Holy Spirit guides us. So I want to come back to the question now of if you're not a community leader and you're not, a de- you're not anything really, just in the church, you're just a saint, What role can you play in discipling others? So why don't you come up at this point, Patience? And I'm going to ask her a couple of questions. Do you guys remember Patience? Patience was with us. Yes, you do. And so she went over with the crew to PM Congregation um, and I've heard lots of stories, but good ones. Um, and so I'm just going to ask her a few questions in terms of, like, how the Lord uses her. Um, are you ready? Cool. <laughs> so, the first, so the first question for you, Patience, is when you were in community back in the old days. I think you were with Lawrence. What kind of role did you play in the community and how did you support them in community? That's the first question.
1: Okay, first things first. Don't visit Luke when he's prepping for someone because you end up here. (laughs) 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 And uh, to answer your first question, uh, when I was in community for me, I think the case was loving people and trying to help as much as I can with the leaders and I think the main thing how that it was a transition of just what we have just mentioned, um, what is it that they are giving me to, how can I help? And with that, I opened up my heart to, okay, there is this person and this person who hasn't been coming for so long, what is going on with them? So I organized a meeting with like Clinton Lawrence and um, I have this bullet point presentation. <laughs> Of hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but A, B, C, and D hasn't been coming back to come for the longest, and I want to help. Is it is it okay? And they're like, wow, we've been waiting for this. <laughs> so anyway, and from that meeting, I was, it was clear that yes, they were aware of it, but they were short, short-handed, like. There it's a community of about ten to fourteen people and there is like six that are not coming back or more and then there's also these ones who are still coming but they have to be there for everyone. So I offered I as like, you know what, I'll follow up A, B, C, and D. I'll tell this one to follow up A B C I started appointing roles on my own. <laughs> I'll tell up, I'll tell this one to follow up A, B, C, and D, and instead of following up fourteen to fifteen people, you will just ask us the updates of how They're doing, and then we see how to go forward. And yeah, I also took the initiative to just follow up with the ones that were coming because it's not just about the ones that are falling off, but also the ones that are coming. And I think the one thing that Clint used to emphasize was health in the house first before going outside. So I kept that at the back of my mind. And yeah, basically just availing myself and being ready to serve wherever I can.
0: That's cool. So I'm basically just trying to get her to say what she said when she was in my house the other day, basically. Because um, what she when she was sharing, I was like, "This is so this is so awesome!" You know, you get so excited, and you're like, "Wow, this is this is amazing!" I didn't even know this. So the second question is to do with like when you went to PM congregation, what was your sort of expectation and your attitude, and then also like what have you been involved with there since you've? So it's kind of two questions, but like. What was your expectation in going there and, and what have, what have you been involved with since you've been there
1: uh, okay I'll answer the first question when you moved. What was your attitude so again, like I said, from my community days, my attitude was, yay, this is a new congregation they need uh, the the call was put out they need help, they need people to serve so I was like, lord it's time for me to stop receiving and start giving i've been I felt like I had been over-receiving or on the receiving end, uh, sitting in the congregation. So I wanted to be the one to, now s- to give, to be the person who follows up and finds out how is someone doing or just so someone comes back to church because patients called them or patients did that. So that was my first attitude, and I just went there ready to yeah to serve and uh, even if it meant chairs need to be cleaned every Sunday I was like here I am (laughs) and uh, so at the moment what I'm involved in uh, there was there is and there was great need so I'm almost everywhere which is a bit scary (laughs) but it's also not what I've come to talk about so um the first thing that was presented uh to the church was hey guys most of the people who are doing sound or AV were, not, were moving, so they needed people to take up sound. <laughs> and my, I put up my hand. I've never done that. <laughs> I put up my hand, and I'm like, you know, if I can learn how to drive a manioka in Cape Town, what is sound? And <laughs> I learned how to do sound, so I'm, I'm on sound. I've also been asked to be a COM lead assistant. I don't know what those do, but... <laughs> I was just like, wherever you lead me, Lord. And the one thing that I just wanted to share, like, what has happened in my com since I joined. um, So these are people that I found, obviously, originally in the original church. And they've been doing life. And then there is this one person who is part of my community. And one time we are just sharing about forgiveness and unforgiveness. And he says he wants to pray to be to be delivered from unforgiveness. So we are praying, obviously, we are praying for unforgiveness. But as we are praying, uh, the Lord place, places it on my heart that it's deeper than unforgiveness. Like, he wasn't saved. But this is someone I phoned in the church. So I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to deliver that bomb. <laughs> so I just told him, um, you know what? God wants to give you a new heart. Does that resonate? <laughs> and he puts up his hand, he's like, yes, I'm not saved. And then, then we do the altar call, and he's saved now. So he's coming to church, knowing Jesus for himself rather than following. So I, I, I praise God for that. <laughs> um, I'm on kids' church again. I just put up my hand <laughs> because there was a there was a need for that, and I, I think I'm going to be serving for my first time in two weeks. Looking forward to that. I also help with youth group. You're all invited. <laughs> and uh, one of the things is just, um, yeah, with the youth group, it's just just being there for the youth, just remembering their birthdays. They make you to remember them a week in advance, so you have to send that BD message. Serving, preparing, snacks, lifting, just anything, like availing yourself, really. That's
0: amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah. That's it. A- so, in answer to the question, "How can you disciple people if you're not a community leader?" I think that like covers quite a broad range of things. There's actually so much to do, um, that the, the the problem isn't really that I don't have anything to do. It's like, okay, Lord, what, which areas do you want me to focus on? Can you see how the the the, the, the area the, the emphasis shifts? And so. There's 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 a lot to, to do, but but I wanted to say that discipleship starts with me. Jesus said, "How do you disciple people? Well, you teach them to obey everything that I've told you?" Right. That has to start with you, with you first of all doing everything Jesus told you to do, right? So, because discipleship is not just about teaching people stuff. It's teaching people to obey Christ. There's a difference. It's a lived out experience. And so a lot of discipleship happens when people see how you live out what Jesus taught us. Does that make sense? Everything you do out of obedience to Christ is teaching other people how to obey Christ. Or it's it's teaching them to disobey Christ, depending on how you're living it out. Right? So take an example like worship, like when we're worshiping this morning. The way you worship Jesus is the obedience to what he's said, right? So when people look at your life, they're seeing, oh, that's how people worship Jesus. Does that make sense? And so here's the. Immature way of thinking about worship, and here's the mature way of thinking about worship. The immature way of thinking about worship is, I'm not really feeling that worshipy this morning, right? So maybe I'll just receive. That's an immature way, because it's actually about me. It's about my worship experience. The mature way of thinking about worship is, I don't feel worshipy this morning. But God, you're bigger than how I feel. You've been so good to me. You died on the cross for me, and I'm thinking about all the things you've done for me. You're so good. And so I'm going to tell my soul, like David did, worship the Lord this morning. He is worthy to be praised. And, I, and as I worship Jesus, I'm teaching the people around me that Jesus is always worthy of worship, whether I'm feeling worshipy or not. Amen. How many times, be honest, how many times have you been in worship and seen somebody worshiping Jesus? Like you maybe had your eyes, this happens to me all the time. You have your eyes closed, you're worshiping Jesus, and you open your eyes and you see worship, somebody worshiping Jesus and you think, am I worshiping Jesus? <laughs> it, it, it's a good kind of challenge. It's, it's it, when someone provokes you to worship, or, or, or you're in worship and somebody just shouts out, Jesus! And you're like, something in your heart gets stirred, man. Like, man, I'll be honest, there's a number of people in this congregation that are constantly provoking me to worship Jesus the way he deserved to be worshipped. Michaela's one of them. (laughs) If you're ever ever feeling non-worshipy, just look around and you're like, okay, Lord, soul, you will (laughs) worship Jesus. Leah is another one. But she worship Jesus. You're just like, oh yes, Lord, yeah, that's that's what. Not all that, you know what I'm, I'm not. Don't put pressure on people. I'm, I'm saying we teach people by how we live. If you if you're teaching people from the Bible and you've got a teaching gift, that's amazing. But if you're not showing people, they will just do what you do, and they'll think that they're doing what you say. You know what I'm saying? What about money? Like, how many times have you had a friend share a story, and you realized? This person is ridiculously generous with their money, and, and you feel so convicted. They're not—they're not trying to preach at you, but just by the example, you realise, man, I'm stingy. <laughs> man, I'm selfish. I, I have friends like that. All the hunts is like that for me. Yes, yes. So that are generous. And Zandi, Zandi's always— that's a lot closer to home, and it's uh, also—we <laughs> uh, also share a budget, so a lot closer. <laughs> Now, whenever we pray about how much we're going to give, I feel like, okay, cool. Okay, like a 250 rand. Okay, cool. I'll double it. Because I know Zandi's going to say 500. and It just feels embarrassing if I'm half what she's <laughs> feeling in the spirit, right? I don't know which spirit I'm following that I've learned. Well, why is my spirit always half of her spirit? <laughs> And so, we show... Pe- now, if you think about parenting, if you've got a child, you, you'll know this. You can tell your child until you're blue in the face, but inevitably, they do exactly what you do. And they'll do it the way that you do it, especially if you're the dad for some reason. I don't know if it's just Namila's age, but, but she, even if I'm leaning against the wall like this, you'll see who it comes to But it's exactly the same in the kingdom. People do what you do. Um... And that's why I think Jesus said, come follow me, to his disciples. They were watching him all the time. How do you pray for the sick? How, how do you, you know, they were watching him. Yes, they were asking questions, but mostly they were asking him questions about what he was doing. Why do you do it like that? And then then there's there's like almost indirect discipleship through what we contribute, what we serve, we 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 make discipleship possible i 'm going to talk about the more direct form of discipleship, but for example, hosting in your home it 's making discipleship possible. Think of the people who hosted Jesus in their home he 'd be in their home there'd be people around they 'd be having a meal, and discipleship would be happening if, they, if that home wasn 't there they wouldn't it, they wouldn't be having that moment right even Apostolic giving, giving to churches who are extending the kingdom of God. Without that money, that wouldn't be possible, right? And so that's the more indirect form of discipleship. What about when people come in here on a Sunday morning and you go over to them and say, Hey, so good to meet you. What's your name? And you, and you welcome them and you love them and you care for them and include them. Do you know how many people have told me personally it was somebody that spoke to them pre the service and made them feel included? That's why they got saved. That's why they ended up joining the church. It wasn't about... The, the, I'm sure the sermon was incredible. But that actually wasn't the reason why they got saved. It was just, The word is important. Preaching of the word is important. But feeling included and being welcomed into the family. We've always said as a church... The first 15 minutes before the service is probably the most important period of time. Because we as a church get to welcome people, include people, love them, care for them. That's why we come early, by the way. I don't want to just cruise in near 10 past 9 because I want to be here to welcome people. This is our home. This is our family. I want when people come in to say, hey, welcome. Not just like, hey, welcome, you know, with my Jesus face on but people, people don't have, they don't know anyone. They 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 are on the outside looking in. We, we want to say, "Hey, welcome, man! You're so welcome here. Can I introduce you to someone?" My names, you know, you th- that's you think that's a small thing. It's it's for many people that is the, that is the thing that will change the whole experience. When you feel welcome here, then you receive, you open your heart to hear the word. And so, I want to remind us of that. Come early on a Sunday. Welcome people. Be available to receive people into our home. Then there's direct discipleship. I'm going to just add on to what Patience was saying. They are, they are, I want to just make it really practical. right? So I, I won't repeat, I won't explain many of the things that she said, but there's, I wanted to just spin this value with us. If somebody responds to the gospel on a Sunday morning, Whose responsibility is, to, is it to pray with that person, to explain to them what just happened, to include them, draw them with us? Whose responsibility is that? Ours. It's our responsibility. I already explained the story to you about that guy that got saved in a church service. I prayed with him after the service, invited him to community, walked a journey with him. I wasn't on the people who get saved uh, follow-up ministry team. There isn't one, because the program is, I've already explained, us, including people into our lives and say, hey, come, come with us. We're following Jesus. You're welcome to join us. Does that make sense? And so if people respond to the gospel, we follow up with them. Hey, can I pray with you? Man, do you know what just happened? Do you, know, do you even know what you asked Jesus to do right, right now? Let me explain to you what happened to me. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. Well, not here anyway. You just have to be a Christian. Does that make sense? And I want to say, these, these sound like small things. They are not small things. That can literally make the difference. When you first got saved, it's touch and go. That first week, Satan's going to hammer you. You're going to try and, the Bible says, snatch the word out of your heart. But having friends around you to say, hey, can I walk with you? Hey, do you want to come with me to community on Wednesday? Let's talk about what's happened. Can I pray with you? Do you have any questions? Is a part of discipleship, including people in our lives. Patience mentioned, I loved what you were saying about, isn't that cool what you were saying about community? Hey, I've noticed like these people, I don't, where are they? And she had a bullet point, like these six people, like, where, where are they? And the community leader is inevitably wondering and worried about the same thing. Just wishing and hoping that some other people in community can please help me to follow up with all these people because I've already got these 15 people who are amazing and needy. And now I've got these five people that aren't even coming to community anymore. And so your community leader is going to be like, hey, listen, we've got enough problems right now. You don't need to be raising anymore. Just go away and keep quiet. They're going to be like Clinton Lawrence and say, Thank you. been waiting for you to ask. Could you please go and find out where this person is and where that person is? And listen to this beautiful scripture in James 5 verse 9. This is incredibly powerful. James 5 verse 19. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. That's patience. And you. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death. From death. And cover over a multitude of sins. That we would be a people. That when we come to community on Wednesday night, it's not just like, I made it. It was tough, but here I am. All of heaven applauds, I made it. It was a long day. It's like, no, it's like, hey, how are, how are these people doing? I wonder if everyone's okay. Hey, so-and-so doesn't actually look like they had a good week. Are you doing all right? Can I pray with you? Is anything, Can I encourage you? Correct, rebuke, encourage. Hey, so and so is not even here tonight. Does anyone know where so and so is? I wonder if they're doing okay. I haven't seen them for a few weeks. That's not your community leader's job only. It's our job. That, that's not talking about community leaders. If one of you should wonder from the truth, and someone should bring him back, that someone is me, that someone is you, that we would care for. Remember yesterday, last week we were saying that uh, there's a picture that I shared about the shield. As all of us hold our shields up, the rain of Satan's arrows hit this impenetrable wall of steel. That's us caring for one another, looking out for one another, praying for one another. Is this making sense? It's cool, hey? I'll just mention a few others, otherwise we could be here all day. uh, Bible says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. We as saints will often know where people are at even more than their leaders will know because we're with them. They're my friend. I see them. I know them. I can pick up where they're correct, rebuke, and encourage. There will be plenty of opportunities for each one of us to correct, rebuke, and encourage. When we see our brothers and that the world is grabbing their hearts, to say, hey, you know what? Like, I know you love Jesus, but the world is grabbing your heart, man. You're, you you don't actually love Jesus the way you used to. I can I can see it. There's something. Be careful. Why can I pray with you? You know, everyone will need a friend at some point in their journey with Christ to say that to them. Hey man, I, I know you mean well, but man, I'm just the world's grabbing your heart. This thing in your life, it's becoming too big of an idol. Be careful of that thing. That's not just community leaders' jobs. That's our job: correct, rebuke, and encourage one another. Host a prayer or worship time in your house. That's a cool way. Hey, guys, I'm keen to worship. Why don't you guys come around Friday night? We'll, make some, we'll eat some pizzas. We'll, we'll, we'll worship Jesus. Well, hey, why don't you bring your guitar? We'll worship Jesus. These are things that saints do, right? As saints, this is what we do. I remember there was this family that got saved in our congregation. They just got saved, and they—they they actually were homeless. They lived in the sand dunes behind my house in a shack. And I remember they got saved. I prayed with them, and I remember saying to them, "Hey, can I come to your house and we do a Bible study on Wednesday?" So they, and they said, "Yeah, we'd love that." So I literally like walked over the sand dune. Uh, there was like the squatter camp. I went in. I met everybody. went into the house. We all opened our Bibles, and I did their first Bible study with them. I wasn't a community leader. I wasn't. I was just. I just met them on a Sunday. This is what Christians do, right? Don't wait until you're a super apostle to the nations. Jesus has said, make disciples of all nations. And I'm going to end by saying this. As Christians, we are always learners and followers. So we are always being discipled, actively discipled. And I've mentioned how that process looked. It's not a process. It's a journey and at me opening my heart for people to teach me. Mature believers, I want them to show me, to correct me, to teach me, to encourage me, to push me in. But at the same time, I'm doing the same with others. I'm being discipled, and I am discipling others. Both are absolutely essential to the Christian walk. Let me tell you what will happen if you don't. You'll start to feel like your life doesn't have meaning. It, it feels meaningless, purposeless. What am I even doing with my life? Well, you're called to be, make disciples. You'll start to feel frustrated and critical. You'll start to feel critical. It's like when you're not a part of the rugby team, but you're on the grandstand watching the rugby team, and the ref can't do anything right, and the back line can't do anything right, and y- y- you've got a lot to say, but you're not actually on the team playing. When you're on the team getting hammered, you have very little criticism for anyone. It's just like medic over here. We <laughs> but when when you're not discipling, you'll get frustrated and critical. And worst of all, you'll you'll start getting preoccupied with yourself. Yourself will become the main focus of your attention. And focusing on yourself is a terrible thing to do because we're all sinners, but suddenly your sin gets magnified because all I'm looking at is me. <laughs> but funny thing happens when you make others the focus of your life, your own life, comes into health. And you don't have time to worry about your own issues so much. But you also begin to experience the joy that Jesus experiences. I can't tell you how much joy it was when patients started talking about all the things that God's doing through her life. And I was like, yes! This is amazing! Why? Because I'm sharing in Jesus' joy at, when, when, when Paul says, you know, to hear that you are doing well like, I can just go to heaven right now. My heart is just, and we begin, as we disciple others, we begin to celebrate, with, we experience his joy over his children doing well. Does that make sense? So let's pray.